Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you for the beauty that is the truth that we just sang. Lord, you are an amazing, awesome God. Lord, we gather here today as your sons and daughters in Christ to proclaim the excellencies of you because you have called us out of the darkness and into your marvelous light, but you did so that we might be a light to the world. Lord, as you sent your son here, you send us out. I pray that as we close out one year and walk into the next, that we would just do so with increasing boldness of who you are, what you have done for us, and what you offer to the world. Lord, the world has always been a dark place apart from the light of Jesus Christ. So may we shine brighter and brighter until the coming day by the power of your spirit that lives in us, directed by your word that guides us, and in the name of Jesus Christ that is above all names, we pray these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Happy New Year. Please have a seat. Happy New Year. Okay, I know it's not quite there, but we're almost there, so it's, I'm, I want to go ahead and say it anyway. And we are starting back into our series as we go into the new year um, that we were in in the Gospel of John. We started back in September called Sent to Make Disciples. And so as we start this new year, it's a great transition back into sending us sort of into a new year. So it's sort of a combined back into the Gospel of John and a New Year's message all rolled into one, and, and God worked out that timing perfectly. You know, New Year's, um, it's just a day on a calendar, honestly. We go from, from 2017 today, and then tomorrow morning we wake up and it's 2018, and honestly, it's just another day. But what it does do is it provides an opportunity. You know, I talked over the um, Advent season about how our God is, a, is a, um, a God of cadence. It's why he had the feasts and the festivals and the fasts in the Old Testament. It's why we took the time to t- take a break from our series and do Advent, because it's, Christmas is a time for us to point our minds, attention, and our hearts, affection back on Christ. And New Year's is very similar to that. It's a great opportunity for us to just sort of think back at God's faithfulness in our past and look forward to what he would have in store for us in the coming year as well. We started this series in John, actually at the end of the Gospel of John, in John 20, 31, and it says, these things are written. John is writing, he says, these things are written that you might believe and that in believing you would have life in his name. And over 90 times in his gospel, he uses the word believe. Why? Because it's so important for us. And as we go into 2018, I pray that it would be a, a year marked as individually, as families, and as a church family, that we just believe him. When the people come to Jesus 30 years after what we just celebrated in his, in his being born, in his first advent, and they say, what must we do to be saved? He says two things. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent repent simply just means to turn from your old way and to start moving towards him. And then he says, and believe in the gospel. Believe he is who he says he is. Believe he came to do what he came to do. Believe he accomplished what he came to accomplish. Believe you are, and this is probably the hardest part for us, believe that you are who he says you are. Guys, let us be a people in 2018 that truly believe what Peter said when he called us a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his, his prized possession, that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. 
As we look back on 2017, what I would wonder, what I'd ask you to be thinking about is, what was it marked by for you? And as you look forward to 2018, what do you want it to be marked by? And Jeff mentioned these little cards that we made that you could fill out like during the fellowship meal so that um, you're not doing it while I'm teaching. Um, but just be thinking about even as a church family, what would you like to see our church marked by in the coming years? It's just a great way for us to sort of focus our attention um, in, in a way. But I would ask you even personally, individually, and as a family, what what eternal difference will the next year make for you in your life? And, and what difference for eternity will you make in the next year? Like, don't just let, part of what New Year's always does for me is it reminds me of, you know, the things that I, I need to work on and the, and the blessings that God has given. But it also reminds me that, I, that it's a great opportunity to say, okay, I want to focus this next year on being more eternally focused on having my mind fixed on things above and not on things of this earth. Today, God worked out the way we started back into this series so perfectly in that today we're going to talk about, John, in John chapter 8, sent to set the captives free. And what a great way to go into the new year, right? Thinking about how he has set us free. So if you would, open your Bibles up to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So John, it's the fourth book in your New Testament. We'll be in a couple other places as well. Lord willing, but we're going to start in John chapter 8 and verse 31. And the question I'm asking today is, do you want to live like you are truly free? Do you want to live like you are truly free? It seems like an obvious answer to the question, but I don't, I don't know that we do. I think we default as people and always have to legalism. We default to law. We default to judgment. We default to works. We don't default to grace, and we're going to see a beautiful picture in, in the Word today. So the question is, do you want to live like you are truly free? And our first point, starting in John 8, 31, is then find freedom in the truth. Find freedom in the truth. And look at verse 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, so he's talking to people who are following him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Man, you could do a whole sermon on that one verse. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It begs the question, what is truth? There's this powerful scene at the end of the Gospel of John, and we'll get there, Lord willing, right, right around Christmas season, when, or Easter, resurrection season, when, um, when, jo when Jesus is on trial, and he's standing before Pilate. It's in John 18. Don't turn there. It'll come up. It says, Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? Because that is a huge question. The answer to that question has eternal significance. Because there is only one truth, and it is Jesus Christ as Lord. The truth, what is truth, is that Jesus is who he says he is. But guys, we all come to this point. If, if you've been a believer very long, you have had seasons of doubt. Right? My unsaved family stayed with us all from, from Christmas Eve through this last week, and or many of them are unsaved. And this is the struggle my dad is in right now. What is truth? I believe, help my unbelief, is what he's praying. And I'm praying that with him. 
But it is, guys, young people that are the most of you that are sitting in this room right now because our kids sit in the room with us and you're growing up and you're blessed to grow up in Christian homes. Praise you. Praise God for that. Because that was not my experience. But at the same time, there will come a crisis of belief for you where you will ask the question, what is truth? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer that I came to realize 24 years ago is the answer to what is truth is Jesus Christ. Let's pick it up in verse 33. They answered him and said, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay, I want to stop there for just a minute and set the scene because it's been a while since we've been in John. And I'll spend a little time next week kind of bringing us back up to speed in John. I didn't want to take the time today because of the baptisms. But, but guys, what we have seen in this walking through this sent to make disciples is, is over and over Jesus gets into these dialogues with the Pharisees. And over and over they want to argue with him. They want to trap him. They want to, they want to, they want to like divide up details and he consistently just blows right past it and says and just keeps going because because here's what I would have said when the Pharisees are saying to him wait a minute what is truth we are sons of Abraham we've never you're saying you're saying you're saying we're going to be we're slaves we've never been slaves to anyone really the Jewish people have never been slaves to anyone at the time they're talking they're slaves to Rome Oh, but it goes it's much better than that, right? God calls out Abraham and says, From you, I will bring my seed. I will bring my son. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has Joseph. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. God uses that to bring the 70 Jewish people, there's only 70 of them, all to Egypt, where they live as slaves for 400 years. They come out when Moses delivers them, about 2 million strong. And you say, okay, well, so that was that 400 years of slavery. Oh, no. A few hundred years later, they're enslaved by the Assyrians. Shortly after that, they're enslaved by the Babylonians. Shortly after that, they're enslaved by the Persians. Like I said, in the time that we're talking about right here in John, when John was written, they're enslaved by the Romans. These people have always been slaves. Their problem was they didn't know it. Guys, if we don't know we're slaves... If we don't know we're a slave to sin, and we'll see it in a minute, we can't possibly know we need a Savior. But, much like he does, he didn't get derailed like I just did, and and Jesus just plows right through, and he says, because that wasn't his point anyway, and he says in verse 34, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. If the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Because that's a, that's a powerful passage there too, and we could spend all the rest of the time on just that. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. But guys, I, I think we often jump to freedom a little bit too fast. Like in our minds, we just go, okay, grace covers that. That's good. We need to spend a little time looking at what, it, what does it mean to be a slave to sin. In Romans 6, Verse 16, it says, Don't you realize that you became the slave, you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Peter says this in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, if you're taking notes like you ought to be. 2 Peter 2, 19, he says, For by whatever a man is overcome, 
so he is enslaved. The question becomes, what controls your life? Keep your finger in John. We're going to come back there. Turn to, turn to the right of where we are. A couple of books. You're going to go past Acts. You're going to go to Romans. And you're going to go to Romans chapter 6. Go to Romans chapter 6. And I want to read to you a little bit of what Paul's commentary is on this idea of being a slave to sin. Chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. It actually means like God forbid. How shall we, have di- how shall we who have died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of you have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, you have been baptized into his death? Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self has been crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. He's talking a a death to our natural self and being born again spiritually. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is a master over him. And because he's no longer a master over him, he's no longer a master over us. Guys, the truth is, the truth that sets us free is that we are no longer slaves. But, but by the cross of Jesus Christ, we are called friends of God. We were enemies and we have been made friends only one way. And that's because even though we still sin, and Paul talks about that in Romans 7, because of the cross of Christ and his robes of righteousness on us, God sees us as sinless. That's the truth that we have to live in if we want to truly live free. Martin Luther, the great reformer, put it this way. To not be a slave to sin is to work eagerly, lovingly, and freely. Live well in a manner pleasing to God, as though you were, there were no law or punishment. It is the Holy Spirit, however, who puts such eagerness of unconstrained love into the heart. And the Spirit is given only in, with, and through faith in Jesus Christ. Guys, when do we know the truth? When are we set free? When the cross of Jesus Christ is applied to our lives. If the Son has set us free, only if the way, the truth, and the life has set us free are we free indeed. There's no other way to get free. And every other way that the world professes leads not only to death, but actually leads in eternity, in eternal death and destruction, but it leads to bondage. It leads to legalism. It leads to living chained. And I don't want that in 2018. I, I live too much that way, I think, in my own heart. In his book, This Cross-Centered Life, C.J. Mahaney gives a couple of lists that I thought were kind of good that we might take a minute and reflect on. Do these things describe you? So look up here on the screen. Do these things describe you? Do you often lack joy? Are you not constantly growing in spiritual maturity? Does your love for God lack passion? Are you always looking for some new technique, some new truth, some new experience that will pull all the pieces of your faith together? So do those things describe you? Is this, like, is this where, what you would say? If you look back at the last year, would that describe you? Would you like to 
break free from joy-robbing legalistic thinking and living, leave behind the crippling effects of guilt and condemnation, stop basing your faith on emotions and circumstances, grow in gratefulness, joy, and holiness. I want that. That's what I want 2018 to look like for Doug. Right? That's, there's, there are some New Year's resolutions worth keeping. But the question becomes, how? Right? I mean, I don't think anybody wants the first list, but we tend to live that way. How? Because, surprise, surprise, here's the secret to how. We need to live in a constant state of repentance and belief. Now, you say that, and you say a constant state of repentance. That was what Martin Luther was basically teaching teaching. That's what drove him to leave the Catholic Church. That's what drove all of the martyrs that were burned at the stake to leave was because they realized they needed to be in a constant state of repentance, but it wasn't repentance to the church or to the Pope. It was repentance to God. But here was the key. That is not like, that is not a bad, we, we tend to think of that as a negative. That's a positive. Because when we live in, the, in a state of repentance and we see God's grace, his all-sufficient and ever-present grace show up over and over and over and over again. Every time we say, Lord, I am sorry, I repent of that thought, I, I, that is a sinful thought, give me the grace to cover that, we see him show up and he does. That is what living the victorious life is. It is, and anything short of that, guys, is if, if we deny that, if we, if we deny our struggles, if we deny our sin, if we deny those things, what ha- we, are, we are not limiting grace, because grace just is sufficient, but we are limiting our experience of grace, right? To deny repentance is to not live in the fullness that is the gospel. Like, we ought to embrace that and go, Praise God that his grace is sufficient. And in that, I am victorious. It is, it is the passage I quote a lot. It's, it's what Paul says. Um, t- uh, Jeff read uh, part of Galatians 3. In Galatians 2, right before what Jeff read in Galatians 3 is our invocation passage, he says, I no longer live. Paul says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then this is, the set, this is the verse that grabbed my attention several years ago when I really needed to learn how to live in grace. He says, for I do not nullify, it's Galatians 2.21, I do not nullify the grace of God. For right, if righteousness could come from the law, from doing good things, then Christ died needlessly. What Paul is saying is, if, if, I, if I should fear repentance because somehow that's pointing out to me and to God that I'm falling short, then what I'm saying is the cross was not sufficient. That Jesus, that God punished his son just because, but not really to save the world. I don't want to live that way. I want to live like this. Paul writes in Romans 8, therefore there is no condemnation for those who live in Christ Jesus. So do you want to live like you are truly free? then find your freedom in the truth. The truth that the gospel, the good news, it is finished, is true. And also celebrate your freedom as a child of God. Celebrate your freedom as a child of God. Guys, this is, a, this is an area that if we really got that, that we are a chosen race or royal priesthood, we would live very differently. We would live far more joyfully. That second list from Mahaney would be far more accurate in our lives and more descriptive of us. I'm going to pick it up in verse 43 back in John 8. 
I'm not sure where I left you, but we're in John 8, verse 43. Jesus says to the Pharisees, Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of the father of the devil, and you want to do the desires of, the fa- of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That is Satan, and we rebuke him in the name of Jesus Christ. Verse 45, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? Now get this, guys. Here's the key about being a child of God. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Because do you get what he's saying? Where I started in verse 43, he says, Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't hear my words. And then he finishes and he says, those who are of God hear my words. I remember not hearing. I remember not being able to hear. I remember not sensing his spirit testifying with my spirit that I am a child of God. I remember opening up this book and going, what a vengeful, wrathful, angry God. And then God did the miraculous. It was an eternity past, but in my time, it was when I was 24 years old, he looked down and he said, Doug, you're mine. And I'm going to reach down and I'm going to pick you up out of all that filth and all your anger and all your blasphemy. And I'm going to put you on the rock that is my son, Jesus Christ. And I could hear. For the first time in my life, I could hear. And it changed everything. But guys, here's the saddest part. Sometimes I just take that so for granted. And yet I can remember what I was like when I didn't hear. For those of you that don't ever remember a time when you couldn't hear, it's even harder to embrace and remember and and celebrate and rejoice in the truth that you are a child of God. How do you celebrate what what, what you've only ever known? It's like this is just what everybody does. No, most of the world is deaf. Most of the world is who Jesus is speaking to when he says, you can't hear because you're not mine. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 18, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. I remember the gospel seeming so incredibly foolish. Like what a crazy made up story. And the only reason I know it's the truth now isn't because I got smart enough. It's because God made me alive. Turn to Ephesians 2. I wasn't going to go there because I was going to save time, but I don't care. Sorry. Ephesians 2. We just have to go there because I I don't have the words that are going to bring people to life, but this book does. Ephesians, back to the right. Keep your finger in John because we're going to come back there pretty quick. But I'm going to read a few verses, sort of skip the part we read here a lot. But starting in verse 2, starting in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. He's saying, You were of the devil. We don't want to admit that. I don't want to admit that for the first 24 years of my life, I was a child of Satan. But it's the truth. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, 
being rich in mercy because of his great love towards us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. Now jump down to verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. But if having, by having put to death the enmity, he's saying the cross is what brought people to God. He's saying it brought the Jewish people that come to faith in Christ and it brought the Gentile people that come to faith in Christ to God. And then it says, and, and then it says in verse 17, and he came and preached peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we b- both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you who are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together as growing into the holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. The only way we become a child of God is through Jesus Christ. The question is, can you hear? Can you hear him? Are you a child of God? If you are, celebrate. You say, well, I'm not really sure. We'll talk to somebody before you leave here today. But one of the ways you know is, is um, Paul tells us in Romans 8, his spirit, his spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. So if, if you know, like if you just have this, like I, I, now, I know there are, there are moments where I have my doubts about a lot of things in my faith walk, but I know I am his because I know my spirit testifies with his spirit that I am a child of God. I can open up this word and it makes sense to me. That's how I know. Look at your being in community section on the back of your connecting points, the um, sermon outline that we give you. Guys, it's so important... If you, if you, back to that passage in Ephesians that I read, it talked about, it starts with, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were dead. And it ends with, and God, that Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that sealed us, is also the one who is fitting us together. Because it is so important. It's, it's why we, we follow this model that, that Jeff mentioned in the uh, announcements of, um, of connecting to Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made you alive together in Christ. But, but then we also talk about being in community together. Because like Paul said in Ephesians, it's the, it's the power of the body being fit together that ultimately strengthens our walk in Christ. So in our being in community, it says, God, by sending his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to not just save us out of eternal damnation, but into the family of God. He quite literally redefined the family, and he places you in the family, friends that are now family, on purpose, for a purpose. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. We get to do that after church today. Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
Commit to truly joining the family of God at Cornerstone this coming year by being in biblical fellowship with your family members in a life group of some kind. Guys, as a child of God, if we're celebrating being a child of God, as a child of God, you should want to be in the family of God. Not just in some spiritual way, but in a very physical sense also. Okay, so the question today is, do you want to live like you are truly free? Then find freedom in the truth of the gospel. Then celebrate your freedom as a child of God. Don't miss the miracle that was him opening your eyes and your ears. And the third thing is, remember your freedom from death's sting. We're back in John 8 and verse 48. These last two points go quickly. It says, the, the Jews answered and said to him, do, you not, do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Guys, ultimately, our, my biggest problem, my, my biggest problem in living out my life and living 2018 the way, I want, the way God would have me live it is I, ha, I, my, I have a perspective problem. I remember Jesse saying that in our small group several years ago, and that's really hung with me. We have a perspective problem. We make everything about today. We make everything about this next year. We make everything about our bank account. We make everything about our 401k. We make everything. We, we do not have an eternal perspective. And the demonstration that I use here at Cornerstone to, to talk about that is this rope thing. Some of you have seen this before. When we were in California on our vacation, we went to the Cambrio National Cemetery, and there's thousands of people who have given their life for the freedom of our country, and God bless them for laying down their lives for us. And there's all these headstones, just acres and acres of these headstones, and there's a, there's a date of birth and a date of death, and there's a dash in the middle, and we make everything about the dash. So we make everything about this, and in fact, we make everything about one day in this. And when that day is not going our way, everything falls apart and our faith is rattled and everything else. But guys, the truth is, the, da the dash is important. What we do in the dash matters. I want, I want you to get that part. Guys, all, everything that happened in 2017, everything that will happen in 2018 is all premarital counseling. It is a dress rehearsal for this. It just keeps going and going and going and going forever. Guys, the dash sets us up for what we will be doing for all of eternity. Everyone lives forever. Everyone has a forever life. The only question is address. That's it. The only question is where is all of this going to be happening? And guys, you don't want to be in the wrong location. There are only two locations. Eternal destruction apart from God. And in the new heaven and the new earth with God as our light and our lamb. That's it. That, but guys, the cross takes away. What, what Jesus is saying here is, if, if you keep my word, you will never see death. In other words, he's saying, if, if you follow me, you will never see death. What does that mean? Christians die all the time. Brent Maddenly went to be with the Lord unexpectedly in October. How, how is it, what, what are you saying? I'm saying that to be absent from the body is to be present from, with the Lord. The minute he was sitting there in the desert off of his motorcycle and he laid down and he passed away, his physical body died, he was in the presence of God. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That's what Paul means. 
That's what made Paul so hard to deal with. Because they'd be like, well, we're gonna, if you don't shut up, Paul, we're going to kill you. I'm, I said that. I shouldn't have said that, the S word. Uh, we don't use that in our family. If you don't be quiet, Paul. We're going to kill you. He's like, fine, I'll just go be with my Lord. How do you deal with that? That's what we all ought to be like. That's really what having an eternal perspective looks like. But we can often slip back into legalism. We can often go, okay, but I'm not doing enough to keep his word. I'm not doing enough to obey him. I'm not. Guys, we obey Christ because, out of, because we are his children and we love him. Right? When, when law turns to love, when duty turns to devotion, we know we're getting there. When the phrase I use often here, and I'll put it up on the screen again, is when our have to turns to get to, we know we want to for the right reason. When I, I, I have to read my Bible every day this coming year, because Doug is at least 10 or 12 times this year is going to get on his soapbox and talk about reading and responding to the Word every day. So I, I have to read my Bible. No, you don't. You get to. And it will change your life. And if you're not in the habit of doing it, tomorrow's a great day to start because it's the first. Right? Oh, I have to be in a small group because, you know, they said that, you know, these life groups are really where it's supposed to be. No, you don't have to. You get to. Oh, I have to serve in the body because, well, you know, the Bible says that as a believer in Christ, I'm supposed to serve somewhere in the church and I'm not really serving and don't really have a plan to. And now I always, now I have to serve. No, you don't have to. You get to. But wait a minute, what about giving? You know, we're supposed to be giving our tithes and offerings to the Lord, and yeah, they don't even pass a plate here, but you know, I don't, I don't, no, you don't have to give a dime. You get to. Yeah, but what about that, oh, that sharing my faith? You know, that we're, we're as, as he sent us, his son, he is sending us, and we're to be his witnesses, and we're supposed to go out and make disciples, and I, 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 now I have to go make a disciple this year? Oh, come on. No, you don't have to. You get to. When our have to becomes a get to, we know we want to for the right reason. It's out of love for him. Look at your engage in the call. It says in Mark 5.19, Jesus says this, Go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. If you are his, you have a great story to tell. A story of sovereign redemption, of unmatched mercy, of amazing grace. Tell it! Tell it early and often with joy and enthusiasm. Tell it to the people he has intentionally placed in your life. In your life, Make 2018 a year where you cannot stop speaking about that which you've seen and heard. So do you want to live like you're truly free? Then find your freedom in the truth. Celebrate that you're a child of God. Remember that you have complete freedom from death's sting. That it is gone. And the last point is, find your freedom in the one who is forever. Look at verses 57 through 59, and we're going to finish up and go into a time of worship and baptisms and hear some great stories. But look at this, guys. This is so important. Verse 57, it says, So the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old, and, you've, and you have seen Abraham? So again, they're, they're wanting to argue details. How old is he? What's he been saying to them? Why is he? Yeah. And he looks at them and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, ego ami. And I've talked a lot about that in this series and at other times too. He is, he is absolutely, unequivocally calling himself God. 
He is saying, before your father Abraham, that you don't even listen to anyway, what even existed, the great I am was here. And I am the I am. How do I know? Because look at their response. They, he has been ridiculing them. He called them children of Satan. They wanted to argue with him, but they didn't want to kill him. Right? Just in the passage we just read, he looks at them and says, you are children of Satan and you want to do his work. And they want to argue with him, but they don't want to kill him. He calls himself the ego ami, and look at what they want to do. Verse 59, therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Guys, the fact that they wanted to kill him in that moment, that they, want, they were going to break the Roman law and execute him, the only reason is why. Because they got ex- we, we don't get what he meant here. They did. He was calling himself God, and that was a reason for execution to the Jewish people. Unless you are God, and he is. Guys, as you look forward to 2018, and maybe, maybe 2017 was a hard year for you, and you look forward to this next year, and you're maybe writing down some things that you would love to see God doing in your life and in your family's life, and maybe there's some things that, that are bringing anxiety to you about this coming year, job situations, finances, whatever it is. Guys, remember, he is the one who is already there. He is the one saying, the great I am is here, just run to me. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come, the Almighty. We're going to turn a calendar page tomorrow. He's not. He's already there going, just get over here. Let's go. i got great things for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. That is the truth that sets us free. Guys, that is it. The fact that he is God is the truth that sets us free. It is the truth that saves us. Because anything short of him being God would make the cross insufficient. But because he is God, and because he did go to a cross, and because he did die, and because he did defeat death by rising again, and because he did ascend into heaven, and because someday, prayerfully soon, he will return and restore everything, we have a great new year to look forward to. We have a great eternity to look forward to, if you know him. Let's pray. So Father, I thank you for the truth that sets us free. I thank you that the great I am came. I thank you that you lived among us a life we could not live that was worthy, and yet you died a death we deserved because we are unworthy. And then, and then because of God's grace, that life is applied to us. Lord, I pray that we would live that abundant life this coming year. Lord, I pray that we would live remembering that we are children of the Most High God. Lord, I thank you for, for, the, for the religion that is Christianity. We should not be embarrassed or ashamed to call ourselves Christians or to call it a religion because it is It just happens to be the right one. It happens to be the one that changes everything. It's the one that's different from all of them. Because Christianity, faith in Christ says, you did everything, we did nothing. And when we come to believe that, when we come to profess that, when we call you Jesus is Lord, and we bow our knee before you, and we repent to you regularly, we find freedom there. 
So Lord, I pray in that name, in the name above all names, the, the beautiful, majestic name of Jesus Christ, that those that do not know that truth would be born again today. All around the world, not just in this room. Lord, I pray that, that ears that cannot hear and eyes that cannot see and hearts that are hard would be supernaturally changed by the power of the gospel Lord, I pray that we would hear story after story like that. We're going to hear stories today, God, and, and we thank you and praise you for these salvation stories that we're going to hear. But Lord, I pray that, we, that, that that would just multiply tenfold in 2018 because we as your people in Christ could not stop speaking about that which we've seen and heard. I thank you that we, because of what you have done to us and what you are doing through us, have a great God story to tell in the coming year. May we tell it. To your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.